This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollack. Today, we'll learn more about No Mow May. MU Extension will share the pros and cons of not cutting your lawn this month to help bees and butterflies. Hey, I'm all for not cutting my lawn. Uh, you'll also hear from Mike. He was recently given one of Japan's highest honors for his work and efforts on making the battleship the USS Missouri a symbol of a healed relationship between the U.S. and Japan. And there are just a few days left to take advantage of an incentive the Central Missouri Humane Society is offering for those in, interested in adopting a new pet. So we'll get to that. But right now we go to the Capitol. Elisa Nelson and Anthony Moravith uh, on different sides or different hallways. Who knows where they're at here for this final week of the legislative session. Elisa, I envision a, a movie scene. And uh, maybe now with the new film tax credits that Anthony was telling us about yesterday. But I, I picture a scene down there this week of uh, lawmakers slamming office phones down, you know, no deal. And, and their aides running around frantically and you and Anthony scurrying the halls and some old curmudgeon lawmaker stops Anthony and says, I need 100 copies of this on my desk in 10 minutes. And Anthony's yelling, I don't even work for you. And Anthony's <laughs> perfectly combed hair is a mess. Uh, that's what I envision. But during this final week, is there a lot of hustling and bustling? What is it really like in the Capitol hallways? Yeah, you know, I actually made the comment earlier today that uh, the House is passing bills left and right today. And so, uh, yeah, when it's the last week of the session, there is a lot of unfinished business here to do. Uh, I will say your scenarios uh, seem a lot like... Uh, the capital, the the first part of the year, oh, okay. regardless of it being, you know, this is the last week of session. I feel like a lot of that hustle and bustle happens throughout the session. Yeah. And so um, and, and the, the whole film tax credit thing, I mean, this could be like House of Cards part two here. <laughs> <laughs> or in our case here, uh, maybe half a deck. We'll just call it half a deck. <laughs> Yeah. Half a deck, the life and times of a Missouri legislature. So uh, anyway, um, all right, let's talk about uh, some tax relief, perhaps for senior citizens. What uh, kind of tax relief are we talking about? Well, uh, we're really close here. The um, bill would allow counties to freeze the property tax rates of Missouri seniors when the seniors turn 65. So it's really uh, left to the counties to decide on that. And it would also exempt Social Security benefits from state ta uh, state uh, income taxes. So those are the two major pieces to this proposal that's sponsored by State Senator Tony Lutkemeyer of Parkville. It was carried in the House by State Representative Ben Baker of Neosho. They're both Republicans. Um, tax relief, of course, is a Republican priority each legislative session. Um, but I, I do think that tax relief for senior citizens is often embraced by Republicans, but by plenty of Democrats as well. And that was the case in this instance. Yeah. Well, what did some of the lawmakers have to say? Well, uh, we heard from State Representative Ben Baker, who says the proposal ensures that seniors cannot be taxed out of their home. Their home is their largest asset, and the equity in someone's home is an investment of a, life, a lifetime and the one tangible thing people have to show for their lifetime of work. Baker is from uh, Neosha. Yes, sir. Southwest Missouri. Yeah. And um, then uh, State Representative Deb Lavender, she's a Democrat from the St. Louis area of Manchester. She says... 
the legislation about the uh, Social Security taxes, that should have included an income cap, in her opinion. Yes, it helps some of our seniors who need that help, and it helps all of the rest of them who don't need this at all. Okay. Uh, (laughs) It was pretty blunt. (laughs) Yes, and and keep in mind that uh, she is also uh, one of the um, Democrats' top members on the House Budget Committee. So, so she's very well informed about the numbers. Yeah. Um, so you'll hear her often talk about um, financial impacts of different bills. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Who else? Who else chimed in? Well, well, House Speaker Dean Plocker, a Republican from St. Louis County, also chimed in. And, and I think it's important to mention he doesn't get up on the floor and speak very often. And so he says that the effort is a long time coming. Our seniors need that safety to know that when they're paying into the system, they should be able to get it on the back end and enjoy a secure retirement. All right. So who loses uh, that tax that tax revenue uh, from? those seniors the tax breaks well um as it was brought up during debate before the bill um passed in the house the estimated annual loss to the state is about 318 million dollars that's again that's annually so that's more than three or 300 million dollars the state has to eat because of the social security taxes that the state would no longer be collecting. But I I do think it's important to keep in mind that some, I think it's around 39 other states um, also do not tax for social security benefits. So Missouri is um, in line with most of the other states when it would come to this. Now, um, another thing is local school districts would also lose money. They would usually get from an increase in property taxes. Um, if the counties decide to freeze the property tax rates on seniors, um, school districts would lose out on that increase in the property taxes. Yeah. Any any idea what those numbers would be? Do not know because yeah. um, I think it's it's really left up to counties to decide if they want to do this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's really a local control sort of thing on that front. Gotcha. All right. So some moving parts to this one. Uh, what's next now? Well, uh, the legislation heads to Governor Mike Parson, so it's up to him to decide what to do here. You know, he is a Republican, so um, if he falls in line with uh, the those in his party, I would imagine that he would be pretty happy with this. But as the governor has often said, when reporters ask him, well, uh, how do you feel about this bill? Are you going to support it or oppose it? He will say, well... I'm going to have to wait and see what the bill looks like, <laughs> you know, I, and I think that's good to take that wait and see approach. Um, you know, he'll sometimes speak generally um, about what he supports, what he doesn't support. But when it comes down to the um, the actual devil in the details, he, he's not going to he often will just not say whether he supports or opposes something. Yeah, he's not going to until play. he looks it over. Yeah, he's not going to mm-hmm. play his cards too too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And that would be a whole episode of our uh, of our new Netflix series. 
half a what half were we going to call that? H- half a deck? Is that what it was? Half, half a, de- a deck. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so right. It, it, that's like the perfect title, really. <laughs> uh, all right, Elisa. Well, uh, I'll let you go, and uh, we'll chat tomorrow. We'll get to Anthony Morbeth here. This uh, Anthony, this legislative session is your first go around here in Missouri. Uh, you've got you had to learn and pick things up pretty fast. I bet you'll be happy next week to take a breath. You know, the one thing that I will say is having covered several legislative sessions in several different states that I've lived and worked in. It's just as hectic and crazy as any of the other states that I've ever uh, had to cover. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, an interesting uh, topic to bring up here. Foreign ownership of ag land in Missouri. I mean, when I say that out loud, that sounds like a good idea to restrict it. And there's some legislation or a bill that passed. And um, that's what we're going to chat about today. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. The um, push to limit foreign ownership of farmland in Missouri has been under consideration for the past, I'm going to say, four, maybe five years here in Missouri. And and China's increasingly become viewed as an aggressor more than a trade ally. And it's gained renewed momentum following the balloon incident, which included the, the, the this basically giant balloon that hovered over the U.S. and into Missouri for a time and that was uh, shot down not too long ago. This, in addition to legislative efforts underway to ban the use of TikTok on state-owned devices because of the social media applications connections to China. So having said all of that, yeah, it's, it's understandable that foreign ownership of Agland, i.e. directed mainly at China, is dominating the headlines locally and nationally. Yeah, well, explain this legislation a little bit more for our audience. So currently up to 1% of Missouri's agricultural land can be owned by foreign countries. Under changes done in the House of Representatives, that would basically be reduced to half of that, 0.5%. Additionally, adversaries or enemies like China, Iran, Russia, Venezuela, and North Korea would be prevented from acquiring any more land. And that list is required to be renewed every couple of years, but it brings upon an interesting conundrum. Because you have some lawmakers in the House and Senate that want to completely ban foreign ownership of land, and you have some that want to limit it only to America's adversaries. So here's where it gets tricky. The Senate has proposed even stricter restrictions on foreign ownership of land in Missouri, and those changes because it passed the Senate are currently being reviewed by the House. The Senate wants to completely ban a foreign entity from acquiring ag land here in the state after August 28th. Mm. Uh, and then I, I'm taking it, I'm assuming, that uh, not everyone is up for that idea either. Not even close. <laughs> in the upper chamber, despite passing the Senate, some lawmakers were extremely unhappy at the idea that they're Private property rights were being infringed upon. Republican senators like Bill Eigel say national security trumps private property rights, whereas Republican Senator Lincoln Huff disagrees. For the same reason I don't think we should sell our farms in this state to China is the same reason I don't think we should have sold our farmland to, to, to the Soviet Union. I want to be very clear when you say we shouldn't sell our in, farms. What you're talking about, our farms, it's not a collective, right. it's not a state farm, because the, the, We're not, the state we're not of talking Missouri. about the state farm of Missouri. Of state we're of Missouri. talking about individuals no, we're that talking own about property state in the state. national sovereignty. Oh, that got pretty heated. And I also wanted you to hear this clip because I think it emphasizes perfectly just what both sides are saying. 
I think, I think individuals should be able to make property decisions so if about the individuals property that they decided, buy and you would sell be okay with China buying own. the entire state. Now, I obviously did not no, say no, no, that. Because that's Senator. a legitimate question. Would here, you be okay with the here, Soviet Union buying the entire state of Missouri? I was here in 2013, I believe. Would you be okay with Nazi Germany the buying the entire state of Missouri the in the 1930s? Of this, because of this that's state. what you're describing. Well, that got, <laughs> that got out of hand quick. Yeah, so that was uh, discussed just a couple of weeks ago uh, here in the state Senate. And under this bill, foreign businesses who currently own land in Missouri wouldn't have to sell their property. The reason why I bring that up is because Smithfield Foods, which is a pork producer and food processing company, is a subsidiary of a Chinese conglomerate group. The reason why this is important is because Smithfield owned about 42,000 acres of farmland in Missouri as of just a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh, any closing comments here as we wrap up our f- first segment here on Show Me Today? A couple of things. I think lawmakers in this building are keenly aware of the hot-button topic that foreign ownership of land has become since geopolitics has heated up with Russia and China. And I think lawmakers are trying their best to address that, but it's what I would call a bit of a gray area. I'm not defending the lawmakers here, but I want to make that point clear because obviously the heated discussions that have been taking place, not just in the House of Representatives, but also in the Senate. Additionally, because of that, we've got just days to go in the legislature to get this figured and sorted out because if not, we could see this being brought up again in the next legislative session. Anthony Morabeth and Elisa Nelson working hard at the Capitol and updating us. Uh, Anthony, we'll talk again tomorrow. It's a pleasure talking to you, Bill. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, Ed, we've got more coming up here on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Women hear a lot about self-care these days. Advice on ways to relax, exercise, eat healthy, and more. Those are all great. But one of the most important self-care steps we can take is making sure we're financially secure later in life. That means saving money for retirement. It's never too late to start. And it's the kind of self-care that brings peace of mind that lasts. For small steps you can take to save for retirement, visit wesaysaveit.org. That's wesaysaveit.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Ashiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now, it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude. Did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? 
Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. And we're back on Show Me Today. The battleship, the USS Missouri, was the site of Japan's surrender in World War II. It's now the symbol of a healed relationship between Japan and the U.S. Ashley Bird spoke to the man behind that effort. Mike Carr, the president and CEO of the USS Missouri Memorial Association. This spring, he was given one of Japan's highest honors. I know this award has my name on it, but I definitely accept it on behalf of our entire organization. It's the Order of the Rising Sun, Gold Rays with Neck Ribbon, which is a very, very high award uh, presented by the government of Japan. I believe it's the second highest award that a non-Japanese person can actually receive from uh, the government of Japan, and it's for recognition of all the work that we have done at the Missouri to make the ship an international symbol of peace and reconciliation, particularly uh, between Japan and uh, the United States. Um, It's in recognition of the stories that we tell. I mean, the ship is an incredible piece of engineering and technology, but what really, uh, I think, makes the ship most interesting uh, for when people visit is all the stories that uh, we tell. Most people are aware that uh, this ship was the site of the uh, end of World War II on September 2nd, 1945 in Tokyo Bay when the peace treaty was signed on her decks up above my office. And that is sort of the beginning of the partnership between Japan and the United States. They're the beginning of modern Japanese history, uh, if you will. Uh, but that history began even earlier during the Battle of Okinawa in April of 1945 when the ship was hit by a kamikaze attack. Uh, very little damage occurred, but the pilot's body was rescued. And uh, rather than toss the body overboard, which was what the crew initially wanted to do, the captain and crew... Uh, honored the pilot by giving him a soldier's burial at sea the next day with a six-gun salute and a bugler and all proper honors. And uh, that was an incredible gesture of humanity, uh, even in the midst of the worst battle of World War II, which Okinawa uh, was. And so uh, that's kind of that's one of our main stories. Um, in 
and it wasn't really known too well until we started really trying to tell that story a little bit better after I took over here about 15 years ago. Uh, in On the 70th anniversary of that attack, we decided to put up just a temporary exhibit to tell some of that story. And it was so incredibly well received, uh, especially by Japanese visitors, as you would expect, that uh, we decided to build a permanent exhibit to tell the story. And that's now part of our permanent exhibitry down on the second deck of the uh, ship. And um, so everybody that comes and visits the ship are told that story. Mike, the the signing was the beginning of the end. And as you said, it's the beginning of a new relationship with Japan. And then you took on this uh, role of, of healing. What was it that that prompted you to take that direction besides the story, you, you, the story in Okinawa that you told, but how, how did you know that it would be so well received on both sides? Well, I didn't. Uh, we were, when we first did the temporary exhibit, Ashley, at the same time, out of the blue, we were approached by the Chiron Peace Museum in uh, uh, Kagoshima, uh, Kitakyushu, Japan, Chiron was one of the bases that the kamikazes took off from. There were two, Kanoya and Chiron. And Chiron has a peace museum there, which tries to promote, you know, a message of reconciliation as well. They approached us, like I said, out of the blue, and asked us if we would consider displaying some of the last letters ever written by the kamikaze pilots before they took off. And we hemmed and hawed about that one and discussed it quite a bit because we weren't sure, you know, what the public reaction to that would be. But after we saw some of these letters, you know, they're incredibly poignant and they're, you know, written by 17 and 18 year old kids almost exclusively to their mothers. And they tell about dreams and hopes and wishes and desires and they're just human emotions. And so rather than, you know, make them out to be monsters, these letters help to humanize them. And so after a lot of deliberation, we decided to display the letters alongside the rest of the story. And we left a book out there for people to write comments in. And for the year or two that that exhibit was there, I don't recall ever seeing a single negative comment. Of course, I can't read the comments that are in Japanese or other foreign languages, but I'm aware that, you know, it was so incredibly well received that now, as a result of that, we have a permanent sister museum relationship with Chiron, and uh, those letters continue to be displayed. Subsequent to that, we've also uh, uh, entered into a sister museum relationship with the Kore Maritime Museum, which is in Hiroshima, Japan, which is where they have the Yama uh, Yamato Museum. The Yamato was the Jap Japan's big giant battleship. And the Missouri, of course, is the last battleship ever launched by the United States, is the last battleship ever decommissioned in the world. And so we've got a sister museum relationship with Kure as well. We also have a wonderful relationship with the Hiroshima Peace Museum. And in 2020, 
we actually displayed pieces uh, or artifacts from the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atomic attacks to tell, you know, because it was the, the 75th anniversary of that story as well a couple of years ago. Unfortunately, that happened in the middle of the pandemic, so hardly anybody saw it. But we're going to, we're already in discussions with them to repeat that uh, again in uh, on the 80th anniversary in 2025. So you know, over time, we've established all of these relationships with you know other muse- similar museums to ours and uh, in Japan, and uh, uh, I think that really serves our mission well. Mike Carr is the president and chief executive officer of the USS Missouri Memorial Association. Um, and we are listening to Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri, and we're talking about the USS Missouri. Mike, you're in Hawaii, right? And you see the, the people who visit the ship. Um, Nine million visitors since 1999. This is incredible. Well, we'll pass 10 million sometime this summer, and we're looking forward to that. What is some of the response you've gotten from, from the Western visitors there? I know you've mentioned the, the comments in, in the book um, what what have you seen that has really struck you as far as taking this tact to for like reconciliation? Obviously, we have a good uh, a good relationship with Japan now. We have a great business relationship with Japan. Uh, this seems to have made enough of a difference, of course, to have been given the highest honor you can get in Japan. But what's been the re- some of the things you remember as far as visitors that you've seen there? Twenty sixteen. President Obama uh, and the late Prime Minister Abe met here in Pearl Harbor uh, in in a gesture to kind of, you know, bury the hatchet once and for all between Japan and the United States. And they went out to the Arizona Memorial and then they went over to Kilo Pier, which is across the way from us here at Pearl Harbor and had a big press conference, which I was invited to. I was very honored to be there. And when President Obama got up and spoke, he told the story of the kamikaze and i was just stunned because i had no idea that he even knew the story how he heard the story but as he told the story the missouri was right over his right shoulder across the harbor and it was just an unbelievable moment for me and for our organization to have uh, him recognize uh, that that's uh, uh, that that story and that gesture uh, played such an important part in the reconciliation between our two countries that he would single out that story as the centerpiece of his uh, of his speech. So it was, um, you know, that uh, and I and like I said earlier, we've never really gotten I, I, once or twice. I'll get some people that might have a might grumble a little bit, but you know, most of those feelings are gone. And I think most Americans recognize that Japan is one of our most staunchest allies now. And uh, we need all the allies we can get. Mike, thank you so much for being with us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you're talking, they will hear you. 
Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking during the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You try all the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Welcome back to Show Me Today. I'm Bill Pollock. The Central Missouri Humane Society is close to maximum capacity. To combat this, the organization is running a special through May 15th to incentivize anyone interested in adopting a new pet. Michelle Casey is here with Cameron Connor to talk about the special, how to qualify for adoption, and the resources available to find the right pet for you. So we are teaming up with Bissell Pet Foundation 
um, and they are uh, offering an Empty the Shelters event across the country. So we are really excited to be participating. Um, It's May 1st through the 15th. Um, and so there is reduced adoption fees for a lot of our dogs. Um, and then adult cats that are six months and over actually have their adoption fees completely waived. Um, so it ended up working out really well because we're struggling with space right now. We've really filled up our kennels. Um, so the, the Empty the Shelters event through this one ended up happening at a, a really convenient time because hopefully that's really going to help us get some animals out of the shelter and open up some more space. I guess the follow-up question that happens is how exactly, and maybe it, beca- it could be one of multiple things, but the fact that the Central Missouri Humane Society is filling up faster than people than people are adopting pets, is that because of just a high traffic volume that the shelter was receiving all at once? Or maybe it was because it was a slow period of adopting? How does that really happen? So throughout the year, animal shelters across the country will see um, different numbers of animals coming in. Um, it's a pretty national trend for most shelters um, to have their slowest time during the winter months. And you usually tend to see a, a lower amount of intakes coming in the winter months. Um, but right now, in the spring and summer, that's really when intake picks up, um, especially because it is now kitten season. Um, so kitten season is, is what we all refer to it um, in animal welfare across the country. And because of the increased daylight hours and the warmer temperatures, a lot of cats are kicked into a breeding cycle. Um, so we will have a ton of cats and newborn kittens coming in in the spring and summer months. So that's definitely where a, a large number um a large increase in our, our intakes will come in. Uh, but as far as dogs, um, we're the only open-door shelter in Columbia. So we are open admission for Boone County, so we don't discriminate. We take in animals regardless of age, health, breed, or temperament. Um, so not only are we having strays that are coming in from the community, but we also are having quite a few requests from owners in the community who are struggling to, to keep their pets. And so we've got quite a few requests from owners in the community who are help, needing assistance rehoming their pets as well. Okay, gotcha. And as far as the overall specials that you're running, it was, if I'm correct, it was $25 for dogs and then the pet fees are completely waived for cats. Is that because of the difference in species or because you're actually just bringing in more cats than dogs because of the uptick in breeding with the weather getting warmer and stuff like that? So we're anticipating that we've, we've seen the beginning of kitten season, but it's it's not in the not in full motion yet. So we anticipate a lot of cats and kittens coming in. So we just know at some point in the summer, we'll probably be overwhelmed with adult cats. So we're trying to clear as much space as we can and get some adult cats adopted out now so that we've got some open foster homes too for when these little babies start to come in. And then uh, with dogs, yeah, we've we've, um, lowered the adoption fees. So any large adult dogs that are over 30 pounds or six months or over are uh, just available for just $25 to adopt. Um, And at the Humane Society, every animal that's adopted, uh, they are spayed and neutered prior to being adopted. They have age-appropriate vaccines, and everybody's microchipped before they're adopted. And that's all included in the adoption fee. Very important information to know and quite helpful and resourceful. As far as, let's say, an individual or a family, they decide, you know what, we want to welcome an animal into our home to adopt for a pet, for for whoever. What exactly is the process that they have to go through? Do they have to request something online first? Do you have certain hours where it's just kind of like open form and you can go see pets and try it out? What, what, what are the processes like? 
Yeah, so we try to make the process of adopting pretty easy. Um, we've heard, you know, from other shelters across the country that, you know, people get frustrated when there's all these hoops to jump through and home visits and things like that. So we try to make it as easy as possible. Um, all of our um, staff is just really friendly and really excited to help match our pets with potential adopters. So if a family is, is considering maybe adding an, a new friend to the household, I would suggest uh, just go on down to your local shelter or rescue and get to know the staff and they can introduce you to some animals that will be a good fit for your lifestyle. Because not only do we at the Humane Society want to do a lot of adoptions, but we want to make sure that these are successful adoptions and that we're not only setting up our pets for success, but our adopters too. So we want to make sure that they, uh, they're getting a pet that's going to fit well with their lifestyle and that we're making sure that we get them all the good information that they need to help that pet transition into their new home. Okay, and for those of you just now tuning in, this is Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. I'm Cameron Connor. We're here with the Assistant Director at the Central Missouri Humane Society, Michelle Casey, to discuss basically a, I guess, open clearing of house to try to facilitate and get a lot of these animals new homes, especially as some of the busier seasons arrive and a potentially a huge influx of animals that could be arriving in ahead of the time. This runs has been running from May 1st through the 15th. So if you're looking for a pet or in the market to adopt, please go ahead and go to the Central Missouri Humane Society. Michelle, I guess the next point that I want to put out here, maybe you can't upload all of them online because of the amount of animals that are currently in the shelter. But how is there a good array of the current animals that you have posted to your website? So let's say that someone maybe can't go see a pet one day, but they go to your website and see a few that they'd like to check out. Is, is there a way for them to see what animals are available? Absolutely, yeah. So on our website, we always have our available animals listed on our website. Um, you can also check out our Facebook page because we like to feature our pets on the Facebook page too. So you can get a ton of good information on the website about our adoptable pets. And you can also feel free to call the shelter anytime um, and just talk to a staff member and we can let you know everything we know about an animal's history um, and everything we've learned about them since they've been with us at the shelter. And one thing that I'd love to highlight, you're, I don't know if it's just Central Missouri or all of Missouri, but technically you're one of the only non-kill shelters for any of these animals, correct? Yeah, so we have a 97% placement rate. So that is gold standard for shelters. Um, we don't use the term no kill that often just because we find it a little bit misleading to the community. Gotcha. Um, but we save almost every animal that comes in. Um, but because we are a, a, an open admission shelter for Boone County, we do get cases in that, um, you know, kind of the sadder cases, like some animals that have been, um, you know, maybe in an accident, hit by a car, animals that are seniors um, and are in their last stages of life. So while we never euthanize for space um, and we never euthanize any healthy, happy animals, um, we, of course, would never let an animal in the community suffer. Um, so we are definitely um, a no-kill shelter, 97% placement rate, and we are really, really proud of that. We've, we've grown and evolved as an organization over the years, um, and we just are hoping to just continue to make a big impact impact on Columbia's animals. This has been Michelle Casey. She is the Associate Director at the Central Missouri Humane Society, talking about the pet event they have going on to help find new homes for all of these pets going on through May 15th. Michelle, thank you so much for your time here on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. And for those of you that are just now tuning in that want to listen to more, make sure to search Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri, wherever you get your podcasts. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. And we're back on Show Me Today. You've heard of No Shave November. You may not have heard of No Mow May. And by mow, I mean your grass. It's a movement that's picked up some traction, not only in Missouri, but around the world. And joining us from MU Extension is Kathy Meacham. Hello, Kathy. Nice to talk with you again. Good morning, Bill. Nice to talk with you as well. No mow may. I mean, you have my attention putting off mowing the grass on the honeydew list. I mean, how do I convince my wife that it's okay? I don't have to cut the grass this month. Well, you could convince her by uh, saying how beneficial it is not to mow the grass, uh, beneficial for the pollinators. And of course, we need uh, pollinators that are critical for our food production. So we're talking about bees and who else falls under uh, pollinators? Well, uh, different to different uh, parts of the season, but early pollinators could be ants, some beetles, butterfly, moths, uh, wasps, hummingbirds for sure. Now, not, not that they are maybe going to go for some of the lawn flowers that we're talking about, and uh, flies. Some of them aren't uh, desirable, but they're not desirable in the home, but outside they're just fine. Well, explain how uh, the longer grass 
uh, will help pollinators. What happens here during the month of May if we let the grass grow? Right. Well, it, it isn't necessarily the longer grass. It's that you're allowing the flowers to bloom. So like uh, dandelions, clover, violets, and you're allowing those to bloom. And spring is just a really important time, you know, for many pollinators. So they have limited food sources. And if we can um, refrain from mowing, and it's not always possible to do that, um, then we can, those flowers can bloom and the uh, pollinators, the bees and others have a food source. No mow, uh, well, I got to get this right. No mow may. That's kind of a tongue twister, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> no mow may uh, is the, the movement this month to, to help pollinators. Um, all right. So we're kind of letting the, the weeds grow a little bit. Um, now, I've seen uh, a couple of articles, and I haven't dug deep into this, but the Wall Street Journal, uh, the Associated Press, there's a, a couple of experts in the field that say uh, if you don't mow your lawns, if you let things kind of get out of control in May, you kind of train these pollinators that, hey, there's food over here, and then you cut it all down, say, starting in June, and they can get confused. Is there any um, credence to, to that argument? Well, I don't want to say there's no credence. I just think you can combat that with, um, uh, but by that time in June, having other uh, flowers that are blooming for the pollinators. And they're pretty smart. They're going to know maybe to go uh, to the backyard or to the side yard or in your front yard um, for other pollinator plants. So you're going to be, other things are going to be blooming, some of the perennials. You're going to be introducing some annuals as well that uh, the pollinators love, the lantana, alyssum, zinnias, they, they bloom a little later. But that's how I would um, answer that question. Yeah, well, because that's what I was thinking, Kathy. I mean, I thought, all right, if a bee's buzzing around my yard, and let's see, it's in the grass and it's getting some stuff off a of clover, well, surely they're going to be smart enough to, to, fly, <laughs> to fly 15, 20 feet and find some flowers. They'll be able to, what, do they sniff it out? How do they, do they see it with their eyes? How, how do bees know where to go? Well, bees are certainly attracted to color. Yeah. And so uh, colorful plants. I, I also wanted to say that dandelion and clover uh, rebloom pretty quickly. So even if you mow, they're, and, you know, and I've, I've got some ideas on uh, alternatives besides going, um, the whole month of May without mowing. But anyway, if you, uh, when you mow, uh, the clover is going to rebloom and so are the dandelions. Kathy Meacham joining us from MU Extension, No Mow May. And uh, you did mention some alternatives. I, I will say this uh, cutting clover is, uh, it's very stubborn. And uh, it seems like uh, once they're flowered and they're white, they stick around for a long time. And some people don't want clover in their yard, and they do things to uh, eradicate it. Other people don't mind, and that's that's why this No Mow May initiative is just not for everyone. Yeah. Um, well, one thing, um, going a month without maying, mowing, excuse me, it is a tongue twister. Without mowing, <laughs> I got you uh, now. There may be city. <laughs> that's right. Um, there's city ordinances that you know you you might get. Uh, <laughs> Um, a citation from your city. So that's one thing, or our homeowners association. But um, 
So, you know, what I thought, uh, what I think is, you know, maybe instead of uh, no mo May, you could do a no mo April, or you could do a less mo May, and that would be mowing every two weeks instead of every week. We know how fast the grass grows in May in Missouri, and um, going a month is 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 uh, quite a long time. And but if you went every other month, uh, every other week, that would be beneficial as well. And and then you would keep the the uh, the growth down and uh, still be beneficial for the pollinators. All right, Kathy, you came up with a new term. Instead of no mow May, you could do the. Uh, the optional slow-mo, slow-mo may just slow down the, the repetition. All right, but if you have those people, though, Kathy, that, hey, they like that, that grass to look like a putting green and they cut it short, and, but you, you offer some alternatives, though, to, to kind of help with pollinators. Right. So um, those two things that, that I said, and then um, you could also create a pollinator garden. You can have a pristine lawn and still create a pollinator garden with species that bloom from early spring into fall. And uh, you could do that um, anywhere in your yard. If you don't want it in the front yard, you could do it in the, you know, the side or the backyard. All right. No mow may, or uh, as Kathy suggests, maybe just uh, watch it a little bit. Of course, you got to follow your local ordinances. We don't want you getting a fine for <laughs> letting your lawn right. get out of control. <laughs> so you can also whatever you're comfortable oh, with exactly and you can also um mow your lawn a little higher and if you were going to do the no mow may or the um even every two weeks you would want to set your mower higher because there's um for a healthy lawn uh you don't want to cut off more than one third at a time of the of the grass and so if you did let it grow all month you don't want to come in in June and take it down two inches. That would be too drastic. It wouldn't be good for the lawn. Plus, you'd have a lot of um, raking to do. So just And you can just mow a little higher as well when you're doing that every two, two weeks. All right. Helping the pollinators in Missouri with No Mow May, Kathy Meacham from MU Extension. Great talking with you. Thank you. Yes, great talking with you as well. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Show me today.